I'm going to talk to you today in, in keeping with this theme, supernatural increase. We're dealing with the, the seventh factor, or if I say number seven. And specifically today, the, the concept of the purpose of, of breath, your breath, my breath, the gift of God that he gave us uh, to all of us at our, our inception, at our birth. But I want you to see how, how critical this is, that we see the importance of it, and then you know adjust our lives accordingly. I want to start over, first of all, just in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Say that it would be the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So until God had breathed into his nostrils, there was no breath of life. There was no life in that being. Now, we understand just at a natural level, physiologically speaking, that the breath process, the breathing process, the respiration process is simply the cells need oxygen to extract glucose uh, through the breathing process. What happens is it produces CO2 and water as a byproduct. That's the physical part. That's the chemical part of this. And it involves ventilation, just physically moving air in and out, and then a gas exchange that goes on. We take in the oxygen and we put out the CO2. Now, look at somebody say, welcome back to Chemistry Remedial 01101. The problem is, if you're not careful, you'll completely reduce the concept of breathing to the natural or to the physical. When God breathed in the breath of life, it was not just about being alive physically. It was about being alive and impacting every aspect of a person's life. You know, you do a lot of things uh, with your mouth. And one of the most important is the things that come out of your mouth through this concept of breathing. When God breathed the breath of life into us, he initiated the physical pathway, but he also initiated a more important spiritual purpose for you and for me that affects us physically, but it also affects every part of our lives. How many know we serve a wise God? And more importantly than that concept is the fact that we're made in his image. We're breathers because he's a breather. The question is, do we do with our breath what God does with his breath? And you see right away in Genesis chapter 2, he makes something wonderful with it. He does something outstanding with that breath. The Hebrew word is, is ruach, and it's a very important concept for you today. It means wind, breath, or spirit, that God's breath or the ruach is the source of all life. Everything you see living, he gave it life through that breath. We could say that God's breath created every other breath. Look at somebody and say, you breathe because of God's breath. All living creatures owe the breath of life to the creative spirit of God, the ruach of God. Aren't you glad? So if you ever wonder if God's alive, if he wasn't alive, you wouldn't be alive. Your very breath is testimony to someone out there that is wiser, more powerful than you, than me. We see this in Scripture. Moses stated this. He speaks that God gives breath to all living things. Job understood this as well. He said in Job 27.3, As long as I have life within me, the breath of God will be in my, my nostrils. The prophet Elihu in Job said this, The Spirit of God has made me the breath of Almighty, gives me life. Job 33.4. Hey, say it with me. There's a purpose 
to my breath. There's a reason that I breathe. Everybody say that with me. There's a reason that I breathe. God gave us breath, but you know, the devil is after it. God gave it to you, but the devil wants you to use it for his purposes rather than God's purposes. And in this world we have right now, we see that happening a lot. The breath of man being somehow circumvented or somehow dominated to do something God never intended it to do. We're here to do God's purpose. I said, we're here to do God's purpose today. So the question is, what are we doing with that breath? Do we build up? Do we tear down? Do we use that breath of God for God's intended purposes, or do we corrupt that purpose? Do we advance or hinder the kingdom of God with our breath? It's something for you to think about. It's interesting in Scripture in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, the Bible says this of Saul the one that persecuted the church and later got saved. It says in verse 1, And Saul, listen to this, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He went to get letters so he could arrest, imprison, torture, and even kill. Notice the phraseology here, breathing out threats and violence against the people of God. Naturally speaking, today, you may have walked in here with coffee breath. I see some of y'all moving away from each other, you know, and it's not even because of COVID. You're just scooching. <laughs> you may have onion breath or garlic breath because you ate something last night and it's still with you. Maybe you ate it last week and it's still with you. Who knows? But it's garlic breath. You might have smoker's breath. We're believing for your deliverance, but it might be there today. And nothing worse than having a mouth that smells like an ashtray. Smoker's breath. You may have morning breath today. Change the names to protect the guilty, amen. <laughs> That's in the natural. But you know in Matthew 15 it says this in verse 11, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. We are not talking about what you put in that caused you to have a lingering you know, odor about you in terms of your breath. We're talking about what we do with that breath. Are we wasting our breathing? Are we wasting what God has given us? You know, you only have so many breaths in this life. It's autonomic and it happens. You don't have to think about it. Thank God we just naturally breathe. But the reality is one day that will stop. One day you'll take your last breath. One day it'll be the last heartbeat and you'll immediately go into the presence of God. It's important that we think about stewarding the breaths that we have in this lifetime. What breath is not meant for? It's not meant for griping. It's not meant for murmuring. It's not meant for complaining. It's not meant for belly aching. I mean, in the totality of our lives, how much of our lives have been spent expending breath on these things? Your breath is not meant for gossip. It's not meant for slander. It's not meant for undermining people. It's not meant for you taking people's names in your mouth and disparaging that in the ears of others so that they never see that person in the same way. God help us all if we breathe on someone else and we reduce another person in their presence with our breath. 
Your breath is not for cussing. And your breath is not for cursing. Amen. Say it's not for cussing. It's not for cursing. You know, there are Christians who would absolutely positively rather, you know, you know, give up the ghost than cuss, but they have no problem empowering people to fail with their mouth by cursing them. I would say with our breath, we shouldn't be doing either one of these. You can chime in with a good amen anytime now. Amen. What we are not to use our breath for is cursing others. You shouldn't use your breath for scheming or deceiving or misleading. That's not what the breath is for. You shouldn't be using your breath to control people or manipulate people. Or con people into thinking that what they're doing is actually of their own mind. Amen? You shouldn't be using your breath to contradict Scripture. Believe it or not, you're not smarter than God. Your IQ is much lower. He's much smarter, and His Word is true. The day you put yourself in judgment and breathe contradiction, that's the day your life begins to unravel. And I'm telling you, this is happening all over the nation where suddenly pastors are having, you know, a revelation of how smart they are. They're superior even to the plain teachings of Scripture and have a right to judge, set aside, parse, and reject parts of Scripture because they know better. God didn't give you a platform to breathe contradictions to His Word. God didn't give you breath to criticize and cut down. Amen. And he didn't give you breath to kill instead of giving life. Do you see this today? Hallelujah. What kind of breath are you supposed to have today? Coffee breath, smoker's breath, garlic breath, onion breath. Amen. First thing you do in the morning is get some mouthwash. Hallelujah. Uh, we need a spiritual mouthwash. Because if you breathe on somebody with your garlic breath, you may inconvenience that person for a moment. But with the misuse of our breath spiritually, we can impact somebody for eternity. Amen. What kind of breath should we have? We should have believer's breath. Believers just breathe differently than other people. How can I have believer's breath? I'm glad you asked. First of all, you have Bible breath. Scripture says all Scripture is breathed out by God. Listen to that again. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We ought to be breathing the Bible. Not just in the house of God, but wherever we go, we ought to be absolutely filled with the Word of God. Matthew 4, 4 from the Amplified Classic says, But he replied, It has been written, Man shall not live and upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. We ought to breathe out the Word of God like we breathe out air. Bible breath, amen. Look at somebody and say, I'm working on Bible breath. Why? That's the thing that gives life. If God breathed it out, how can it out? 
Amen. Number two, it's Jesus' breath. I love this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots to a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The ruach of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of breath. The spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. What comes from his breath? According to this scripture, godliness, wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and honor. Jesus should always be on our breath and his name on our lips. These are the things that matter. This is what that breath is like. If you'll agree with this, these things will operate in your life. Could you use more understanding, more wisdom, more power in your life? These things are available, but they require that we have Jesus on our mouth, Jesus on our lips. Bible breath and Jesus breath. Amen. This is the way we ought to be functioning. We probably as a body of Christ, I would say from the existence of the other church, should have been putting more emphasis on the breath of the believer than we have. Because it's more fundamental even than talking. It deals with what comes from the inner man, the strength and the force of life, breath itself, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. You speak because there's an airflow. Dead men don't talk. Dead men tell no tales. Why? There's no breath. Simple as that. Look at somebody and tell them Jesus needs to be always on your breath and his name on your lips. And more so now than ever because this world hates him. I mean, they'll ban Jesus in a classroom in some elementary school across the country, but if they want to teach the principles of the Koran, they get away with it. Want to know why? Because his name is Allah, not Jesus. Go to another place and they'll ban praying in the name of Jesus at a convocation at a high school football game, but they'll allow somebody to pray in another name. Why? They hate the name of Jesus. Come on, shout that name out, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, drive the devil mad today. Say Jesus. If they get tired of hearing you talk about Jesus, that's their problem. You keep your mouth filled with his name, with his character, with his power. That's what it means to be a Christian, like Christ, but not the Christ. We're not ashamed of that name. Say it, I'm not ashamed of that name. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? The work of Christ, the redemptive power of God to save us and cleanse us and deliver us. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation and them that believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. We're not ashamed of that name. We're identified by that name. Hallelujah. We live by that name and we're quick to confess that name. And Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. There's nothing bad coming to your life. Listen, from God's side of the equation in confessing and keeping your mouth filled with him. Hallelujah. I tell you what, that'll temper everything else that comes out of your mouth when your first inclination is to breathe Jesus. Amen. Number three is creation breath. Psalm 33, 6 says this, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made and the breath of his mouth all their host. How did God create with breath? Proverbs 18, 21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We should be using our breath to create rather than destroy. 
A lot of people tearing down with their mouth, tearing people down, tearing the church down, you know, tearing ministries down, tearing the country down. You say, well, America's not perfect. Well, there's a clue. Frankly, I'm tired of hearing it. I think we should just pack everybody up that hates this country and put them on a slow boat. I'd say Cuba, but I don't want them that close. I want them going farther than Cuba. Drop them out there in the third world. Drop them out there in a recovering eastern black country and see what the reality is. They don't understand this nation. One entertainer this week says we should get rid of the flag. I want to say, really? The flag that was flown while we were fighting to emancipate slaves in this country? You want us to get rid of that flag? That's what happens when you teach basket weaving and sensitivity instead of history in the school. You don't even know what that flag means. How dare you speak against it? That flag does not mean perfection. We've arrived. We've never done anything wrong. We have nothing to repent of. That's not what it means at all. But I'll tell you this. You compare every other nation its benevolence, and it'll be hard to compare with this country. This past, this past week, a North Korean was interviewed. She literally crawled on her belly out of the rice fields and ended up at Columbia University. And you know what she said? She said that that was worse than under Kim. Terrible country, colonial country. You should hate America. It's filled with racism. It's a terrible place to be. And she thought, this is worse than where I came from. The same lines, the same gimmicks, the same arguments. These are the people that are the problem. Well, obviously, they don't like what she said, but she's speaking truth. All over the nation, Fortune 500 companies right now are wanting to back away from Ivy League graduates because they're too polluted in their thinking. Here's what she said. Columbia University is not telling us how to think. They're telling us what to think. And parents, be careful. Your grade school and high school and college should be teaching you how to think, not what to think. Can you get a hold of this? You don't tear things down. You build things up. People that build with their breath, those are the people you want to hang around. And those are the ones you want to listen to. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, we're not perfect. But we're not what's being said either. Amen. Raise your hand if you're a man. Raise your hand if you're a white man. You're a racist. That would be Really hilarious if it weren't what's being communicated. Amen? Stupid is as stupid does. Each individual in the eyes of God will stand upon what they or they have not done. In Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, slave or free. There's only are you born again or not. That's why the answer to the problem in any nation is not some radical in some Ivy League school. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's people getting born again and spirit-filled and set free. That's how you deal with things. You deal with the heart behind the ruach. You deal with the heart behind the breath. Hallelujah. So I'm just getting a little bit tired of it. Watching our police officers and watching our military disparaged and dishonored week after week, month after month. Child of God, you need to start speaking up, using your breath to push back on those things that destroy. 
to be an influence to create and build up. Amen. Well, Pastor Art, won't that get you criticized? Just take a number, a long number. When the house of God is silent, amen, it has no influence in the society. We can't be. Say it with me. I got Bible breath and Jesus breath and creation breath all week long. Figure out how you can build things. <laughs> I think, Steve, again, of that thing we were talking about with the vets coming back from World War II. And all they wanted to do was build things up. Everywhere they went, buildings were collapsed and burned out and bombed. You know, throughout Europe, all they wanted to do is come back and build something. And boy, didn't they build something. And we owe it to their their legacy to make sure we preserve what they've built. Amen? The Ruach of God is a creation aspect. It's a building aspect, not a tearing down. Make sure you're one of them rather than someone who's tearing things down. Use your breath to create rather than to destroy. Number four, it's blessing breath. Blessing breath. Come on, say that. Blessing breath. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Listen to this. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You and I are called to bless. We're called to empower people to succeed, to prosper, to have you know, much fruit, to bear much fruit, to, to have long life and have longevity and succeed in everything they put their hand to. We're supposed to be empowering people, enabling people, not cursing people, empowering them to fail. I think it's amazing that we talk about the blessing. The blessing is the story of the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis, it's the story of the blessing given by God. Through sin, it's the blessing you know, you know, compromised. And through Jesus, in Galatians 3.14, it's the blessing restored from cover to cover. It's the story of the blessing of God. How could we be anything but people of blessing? We bless people. Say it with me, I bless people. And if all that wasn't enough, God comes in and he says, you are called to bless. You aren't called to tear down and criticize. You aren't called to marginalize people. You aren't called to go around judging everybody. You aren't called to this. You are called to bless. Every single day, you need to find a way to bless people. Amen. Just on purpose, find one person to empower every day of this week. And I promise you, you'll get into a habit. And this will become your lifestyle of blessing others. And I'll tell you what, the scripture says there's a promise to that. You're called to this that you may what? Inherit a blessing. How many love inheritances? I tell you this, the more you sow that blessing, the more you're going to reap. More of its manifestation, more of its application to your life. Say, I've got Bible breath and Jesus breath and creation breath, blessing breath. You should be getting excited right now, amen? That's a whole lot better than morning breath or critical breath, amen, or negative breath. Number five is praise breath. Anybody here this morning bring their praise with them? I said, did anybody come in today with their praise on? We 
we're people with Bible breath and Jesus breath, creation breath and blessing breath. But if we should be known by anything, we should be known as people with praise breath. Yes. <laughs> Psalm 150 verse 6. As plain as can be, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So everybody take a deep breath right now. Come on, everybody, deep breath. Raise your hand if that worked for you. Raise your hand if you just died right now. No, no breath there. If you have breath, guess what? You're under a standing order. It's not optional. It's not when you feel like it. It's not when they're singing songs in church. It's not when your favorite football team scores a touchdown. It's a lifestyle. What will happen here is if you don't keep praise on your lips, something negative will replace it. Very hard to be negative and critical and biting and tearing down when all the time you're praising God. Just don't have any room for it. Don't have any time to live that way. Psalm 34 1 says, I'll bless the Lord. At all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise breath. What is he saying? I'll bless the Lord when? When? At all times. When? When you're having a bad day, what do you do? When somebody rubs you the wrong way, what do you do? Next time somebody, somebody talks bad or ugly about you, what you going to do? Stabs you in the back, what you going to do? Have a bad day at work, what you going to do? Somebody acts stupid in your family, what you going to do? Amen. Even when you can't understand a sermon, what you going to do? You better understand that sermon. When you make a lot of money, what you going to do? When you have a setback, what you going to do? When you feel great physically, what you going to do? When you feel terrible, what you going to do? When you feel great, what you're going to do? You're going to praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So no matter how you feel, if there's still breath in you, you're under a standing order to praise. There doesn't seem to be any indication in Scripture of any other directive than that. Then praise. Amen. Let your breath be filled with praise and let it be nonstop. His praise shall continually be on my lips. You tend to get uh, critical or negative or belligerent. Just open up your mouth and start praising God. Amen. Amen. You're in a small group and you start to talk about somebody ugly, just start praising God. What am I doing? <laughs> What's wrong with that person? We were just about to get some juicy tidbits and they break out into praise or something. What's wrong with these people? I'll tell you what you're doing. You're protecting yourself yes. and honoring the Ruach of God. Yes. The breath that gave you life, you have now praise breath. Amen. So when do you praise? When do you praise? Years ago, Phil Driscoll came out with a two uh, CD series. It was actually on tape called Spirit and Life. And he sang songs and worshiped uh, about this very thing. And he, he talked about that. Praise God in the mountain. Praise God in the valley. Praise God when you're feeling low, because that's the only way that you can go higher. Amen. Praise Him in the church. Praise Him in the bedroom. Praise Him in the kitchen. Praise Him at work. Amen. Praise Him when everything's going great. Praise Him when everything's not going great. Because what? you got praise breath. Amen. I think you ought to just practice right now. Just 
Just give him praise. Just bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Amen. Remember all of his benefits. Bless him. Come on, church, just close your eyes and praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Glory to God. Come on, shout out. I've got Bible breath. I've got Jesus breath. I've got creation breath. I've got blessing breath. I've got praise breath. That's a whole lot better than garlic breath. And will produce in your life. Amen. You know, my exhortation to you today is don't waste your breath. Don't waste a single one. There are five simple ways for you to do this every single day. Number one, give God thanks daily for every good thing in your life. Give God thanks daily for every good thing in your life. I don't have any good things in my life. Yes, you do. Just you're meditating on everything that's wrong. I promise you, you just make a list and start thanking God every day. You'll have some of the best days of your entire life. The reason you're introspective and you're kind of defeated is because you're thinking about and counting all the things that are wrong. I promise you this, there are far more things right in your life right now than are wrong. More blessings in your life than there are challenges. One of these days, he will sweep away all that mess. But right now, you should focus on him and thanking him for what is good, what is right in your life. Just make a list. Hallelujah. I know Kelly's thankful for me. I'm thankful for her. Amen. Thankful to be a pop-pop. I'm thankful I didn't let Kelly talk me in to call myself G-Daddy. <laughs> Every time I say that, I feel like we need a, re- a rap beat, you know, boom, boom, Get some bling coming on here in this here church. G-Daddy. She wanted me to have a name for a grandpa of a rapper. No, don't think so. But the wisdom in not letting her call me G-Daddy is Juliana says pop, pop with great fluidity. To this day, she hasn't been able to say Grammy. <laughs> Grammy, G-Daddy, G-J-G. That's why she wanted me to be G-Daddy. She'd be, you know, 13 years old before she could say it. (laughs) But thankful to be a pop-pop. Amen. Thankful to have my papa-san sitting here today on Father's Day. Amen. Papa-san, isn't that cultural appropriation? No. (laughs) One of the things you're, you're seeing in this country right now is everyone is so critical about everything. That is not the heart of God. That's not who we're called to be as people of God. Thankful to have my mama sitting right next to him today in the house of God. Glory to God. And if you just start going down that list, it's amazing. Thankful for the wonderful daughter-in-law that I have. Amen. Thankful she was smart enough to marry Timothy. Thankful for that. (laughs) Thankful he was smart enough to ask her. You know, they all, they cracked me up because they went on an AIM trip, a mission trip for youth over to Paris, and he proposes at the base of the Eiffel Tower. I asked him, what you going to do next year? 
How you, how you going to top that, brother? I don't know. I'm, I'm thankful for all y'all. People that love God. Just want to do something for God. You don't have time for gimmicks and tricks and nonsense. You just want to do something great for God. Well, I'm telling you something. God's going to honor that. and He's going to use you to do something great for God. You need to be that way. Give God thanks daily for every good thing in your life. Amen. Every good thing. Turn to somebody and say, you're a good thing. If you're married, the Bible says your wife is a good thing. So when you got married and woke up the next morning, right after you got married, and you said, what is that thing? That's your good thing. That's what that is. That's what the scripture says. Come on, give thanks for every good thing in your life. Do it daily. That's what you want to use your breath for. Number two, encourage someone every single day. John Maxwell and others have said for years, and I believe this, that encouragement is oxygen for the soul. Think about that. It's great you have breath and you're, you're, you're pushing out the CO2 and you're taking in the oxygen. And the, you know, your cells are being fed with life-giving oxygen so they can deal with glucose. That's great physiologically, but people need the encouragement. And you may be the only person that they come across in an entire given week, maybe longer, that somebody gave them some oxygen. I promise you this, right now, if something's going on with you physically, we have medical personnel right here. They know exactly what to do. They wouldn't hesitate to give you that which you need. People are hurting out there. They're struggling out there. And they don't need a mask with O2 form. They need it for their soul. Be that person on purpose. Find somebody. You don't have to know them. Come on, say, I don't have to know them. Fact, it might be better if you don't know them. And you just come across them. And you know what? I just felt impressed to say something. You know, the Lord loves you. I've watched Kelly do this many, many times. Just a total stranger. And watch them time and time and time again on the spot burst into tears. Just because somebody told them God loved them. But people know that. No, a lot of people don't know that. Their image and view of our Father is so skewed from religion and from their own thoughts and from things they've been through, they don't. You want to thank God every day for the good in your life and to encourage someone every single day. It'll become an addiction to you to bless people and encourage them. You'll want to be that person to come across their path to give them some life. Number three, praise God instead of grumbling or complaining. You're just about to grumble. You're just about to complain. You're not happy with how fast your food comes at Cracker Barrel. You're just about to grumble. And you say to yourself, I won't grumble to the manager or grumble to the server. I'll just grumble to my family. No, don't do it. Just praise instead. And so when you're around the table and the kids can see it coming on your face, you've been there for 45 minutes. Three tables came in. They already have their food. And the kids can see it on daddy's face. He's about to grumble. And then all of a sudden, daddy says, I was listening to what the pastor said. And so he says to myself, Seth, I'm going to praise God instead. And so he starts praising God right there at the table. And the kids look at each other and say, he was listening to the pastor's message. Amen. Praise the Lord. When you feel the grumble coming on and you feel the complaint coming on, praise him. 
Just turn a corner, walk away, find some time with God and just praise him. You know what will happen to your itch? Your, you know you're prompt to complain. It'll just disappear. Number four, ask yourself every day if you want what you're saying to come to pass. If you want what you're breathing out to come to pass, be honest about it. If you're like me, there's some things you don't want to come to pass that you breathe out. How many glad if you're still alive, you still have a chance to breathe it out, breathe out what God says, correct? I'm so glad that we have fresh starts, amen, mercy that's new every morning. Raise your hand if in the past week you breathe out some stuff you shouldn't have breathed out. Look at all these sinners. I'm telling you, what, I'm going to have an altar call today. We're going to get everybody saved and right with God. Glory to God. If Raise your hand again if you breathe out some junk you shouldn't have breathed out. Aren't you glad there's forgiveness? Amen. Now, what do we do next time? Then you won't have to repent. Amen. If you praise instead of criticize, you won't have to repent for it. Yes, amen. But the bigger picture is, do we want that stuff coming to pass? We got it in a little fit of negativity or complaining or grumbling or murmuring. You know, it, it's, it's to the human nature when we're not where we should be with God. After all God did for Israel, how in the world could they possibly ever grumble and murmur and complain? How is that possible? I mean, he preserves them in Egypt. When there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. He supernaturally brings them out. They all went up to their household masters and said, we'd like to have your silver and gold. And all the masters said, sure, here, have it. And then the Lord led them out with Moses, and they came up to the Red Sea, and it was completely blocked by the water. And Moses raises up his staff, and the wall, you know, the water turns into a wall, and the Israelis go through on dry ground. And when they get done, guess what happens? Genius Pharaoh sends his army after them, and then the wall collapses on top of them. It seems to me we shouldn't be hearing any murmuring for decades after that. But oh no. Oh, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. All right. Without Moses, who are you going to get to split the water again? Go back. The miracles. We want water. We want food. We want meat. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys, Moses isn't coming back. He went up on the mountain to talk to God. Maybe God took him. Let's make our own God and then worship it. Hey, Aaron, will you help us? We'll throw all of our gold into a pot. And Aaron said to Moses, look what popped out. A golden calf. You know, if we're not careful, we'd be the same way. <laughs> Forgetting what he's done and then slipping into murmur mode again. No, we got, we got a praise mouth, don't we? We have praise breath going on. Ask yourself, you want that stuff to come to pass? And then block it, amen? Discipline yourself. Poke somebody and say, discipline yourself. To say only what you want to come to pass. Notice I said discipline. Number five, be mindful of what you're breathing on people. I'm not talking about garlic, coffee, cigarette smoke, onions, morning breath. Be mindful of what you're breathing on people. You know, the Bible says of Jesus in John 20, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
What we've got to understand is that when we are breathing on people, there's a spirit that's attached to that. We want to make sure that what we're breathing is of the right spirit, of the right attitude, of the right heart, of the right influence. That's why if we'll do what the scripture says and we'll just keep these simple principles and we will, we will truly have Bible breath. Say it with me, Bible breath and Jesus breath and creation breath and blessing breath and praise breath. What's going to happen when we breathe on somebody? Life, not death. Blessing, not curse. Again, to go back to what Peter said, we are called to what? To bless people. It's hard enough out there without Christians passing on spirits by breathing on them and sowing stuff into their hearts and minds and lives that have no business being there. We're supposed to be the solution, not the problem. Amen? Tell somebody you're the solution, not the problem. So give God thanks daily for every good thing in your life. Can I have an Amen. Encourage someone every single day because encouragement is oxygen for the soul. Praise God instead of grumbling or complaining. Ask yourself every day if you want what you're saying to come to pass. Be mindful of what you're breathing on people. Jesus breathed on us, the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're made in His image. What should be the primary influence or spirit coming out of us? That same flow. Amen. Glory to God. Can you give him a hand clap today and thank him for it?